Expanding to Cosmos allows to essentially control the full stack and design a full suite of software, which is kind of a Formula One for trading. So today, DYDX distributes 100% of its fees in USDCs, and that's a very big revamp and upgrade of the token economy. Okay, Dossé, Dahasi, uh, yeah, wherever I go, it's uh, like, I'm like, okay, just call me Charles, call me whatever. I'm Charles nice to D. Meet you. Well, I don't take it too seriously. Well, appreciate you taking the time to join the program. CEO of DYDX Foundation. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Scoop. I'm your host, Frank Chaparro, editor-at-large at The Block. And we have a very exciting episode of the show for you today. We're going to be diving into what's the latest at DYDX. They just made a big move recently to uh, build on their own chain and kind of just the history or the overview of the landscape of derivatives and how we will move into a more decentralized future. But maybe we can start with your background, Charles, coming from Consensus and then to DYDX Foundation. What what have you been sort of prioritizing at the foundation to help build the broader DYDX ecosystem? And just give us a little bit of a rundown of your your sort of role. Absolutely. So before joining DYDX, as you mentioned, uh, I was with Consensus as head of Asia. So I've been helping products such as MetaMask, Infura, and some other products from the Consensus suite to expand and grow ecosystem. Before joining Consensus, I was also with the Hong Kong government as head of fintech. So building ecosystem is something I've been I've been doing for for quite some years. Um, at DYDX, there is an existing ecosystem historically from uh, the the historical version of DYDX uh, built in, in 20, 2018 by Antonio Giuliano. But with the birth of the new DYDX chain, essentially it's uh, hundreds of contributors and people which are co-building this ecosystem. So think of validators for the chain, think of grantees, people doing research risk management, and, and many other very important tasks for, for the ecosystem. So what we prioritize at the foundation uh, is really um, uh, high-velocity governance, uh, working on making sure that the decisions are made in a, in a fluid way to, to make sure we keep the pace of development uh, for, for DYDX overall, as well as enabling the DAOs and, and doing a lot of uh, go-to-market activities. So the team is distributed between uh, uh, about 10 countries, uh, connecting to to the the users and the and the builders of the of the ecosystem overall from from Japan to UK and, and South America. What was the rationale behind launching uh, V four as a standalone app chain, moving uh, to Cosmos in a sense? So DYDX started in 2018 as uh, an application sitting on uh, Ethereum Layer One. At the time, that was the the only option. So. Uh, Antonio Giuliano, the founder of DYDX and the, really the designer of the protocol, uh, built on Ethereum first and eventually expanded and one of the first movers to layer twos, uh, with, uh, with DYDX being like a very successful, uh, decentralized exchange focused exclusively on, on derivative contracts, which are called uh, perpetuals. Um, and from this kind of evolution, the team at DYDX has a reputation to really kind of reverse engineer 
and not being thought as tribal as some other projects might be, thinking I was born in this ecosystem, I should go on this ecosystem only, but more looking at first principle and saying, okay, we have an application, this application is going uh, today, DYDX is number one decentralized exchange for derivative. It moves between one to two billion dollars of trading volume daily. Uh, it represents one between one to two percent of the global derivative uh, market. So, from these kind of applications, what could be kind of uh, uh, fe- uh, feeding the growth of the applications? And if you need to upgrade to a new stack, you should be kind of agnostic and just thinking of the users, the experience, and the potential of the market you've been wo- working on. Uh, so that's where the decision was made to essentially, instead of having your application sitting on a general purpose blockchain, such as Ethereum or a layer two, thinking on how you can, as uh, as engineers, uh, moving to a stage that uh, allows you to uh, kind of control the full stack, the application, as well as the underlying blockchain, and how you can benefit from having your hands on this full stack uh, to optimize everything for better performance of the product, uh, faster uh, faster throughput, for example, as well as um, kind of uh, improving the decentralization. Uh, being on the layer two is, is not exactly always coming with uh, all the performance you need and um, the existing version three of DYDX, which still sits uh, partially on Ethereum, uh, as for example, its order book sitting on, on AWS. So ex- expanding to Cosmos allows to essentially uh, control the full stack and design a full suite of software, which is kind of a Formula One, uh, for, for for trading, uh, as well as uh, revamping the token economics uh, and and the kind of migrating away from uh, a DYDX token, which is a governance only token, to a token which became uh, through the, the DYDX uh, chain launch a utility token. So today DYDX uh, distributes hundred uh, percent of its fees uh, in USDCs uh, to the stakers of the DYDX chain. And that's a very big kind of revamp uh, and upgrade of the token economics. Got it. So there's there's two elements there, right? You're, you're improving the governance, um, or the governance and the utility of of the token, and then on the other side of it, you're also um, it's enhancing the the functioning or the uh, the experience maybe a trader might have on the platform. Is there something specific about perpetual swaps as an instrument that maybe make them less sort of, um, let makes Ethereum less purpose built for them? That's a, that's a good question. Eventually traders of perpetuals wants to get liquidity. They want to get, uh, best execution. That's why they still trade perpetuals for the most part on centralized exchanges, which are essentially off-chain entirely. Even though the assets are crypto assets, the, the kind of trading venue is off-chain and is uh, the Binance, the Coinbase of the world, which are uh, which are kind of centralized type of infrastructure. Um, perpetuals are a product which have more optionality in terms of migrations to the best technologies available in terms of, uh, of blockchain, since it do, it's, does not require as much composability as other uh, DeFi use case. So let me give you an example. If you're into the lending business or into the lending DeFi business, you need to be within an ecosystem where there is a lot of assets which can come as collaterals. If you are uh, a swap business, such as Uniswap, for example, you need to have a lot of connectivity to different chains, different layers to have assets to, to be swapped. In uh, in the use case of derivative, 
you just need a, a kind of a core asset uh, as a collateral, and then you can start to express your opinion on Bitcoin, on a synthetic representation of uh, of Ethereum or some other uh, some other trading pair. So you don't have so much. Uh, reliance on composability and it gives you kind of more independence. Mm. What is very important to capture also for uh, for the audience is the size of the derivative market. Uh, derivative market are 10x bigger than spots. So we often refer to the the daily volume of spot markets, but uh, the same way in equities derivative are, uh, equities derivative are, are way larger than equity spots. The same patterns is kind of um, visible in uh, in crypto where. Whenever there is one Bitcoin or one ETH being traded on spot, roughly speaking, 10 uh, Bitcoin or 10 ETH are, are traded uh, in the derivative market. So very, very, very large market, which also is kind of uh, serving a much more institutional and kind of prosumer type of audience. Yeah. And the reason why you have such a large derivatives market is because, I mean, it, it encompasses or it covers a vast array of financial instruments um, from futures to swaps to non-deliverable forwards to options to a wide range of structured products. Now, if if the derivatives market in, in DeFi were to grow, I, I imagine that it would also touch many of these different uh, types of products to get to a size that would ever be larger than the under, underlying spot um, DeFi market. How do you think about in your seat working with the DYDX community in expanding outside of perpetuals? Will perpetuals always be the king in crypto or will it be a different type of uh, financial derivative? That's a great question. If you look at the market, there is three, uh, three uh, kind of buckets of, uh, of, uh, of products to be traded, either spot options or futures. Uh, DYDX kind of uh, crafted its position uh, within the market being extremely focused, building a decentralized uh, exchange with a, an order book type of architectures and focusing only on one product, the perpetuals. So uh, usually what we've seen in the industry of DeFi overall is kind of specializations of different protocols. Uh, so usually when we speak to users, they want to improve the velocity of the order book. Uh, they want to trade more kind of long tail assets. But they're happy to stay within one category of assets, which are perps for, 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 for DYDX. The way DYDX will probably expand in the future is by growing the number of trading pairs and making sure they can be traded in a safe way uh, and getting the right uh, liquidity around them. But also, and this is already discussed within the community of DYDX, exploring next year uh, what we call permissionless market. So the innovation you, we've seen uh, a few years ago with Uniswap, where you can launch uh, a new a new market, a new spot market on Uniswap by by bringing liquidity on both sides of the trade and and using a, a, an AMM type of uh, of exchange. Uh, the same is is coming up uh, at DYDX for derivatives, where users will be able to launch um, new markets, new derivative markets. And what will be interesting is probably to see more crypto trading uh, derivative trading pairs coming up, but also kind of giving away the formula and the infrastructure and seeing what the market will come with. And and I've, I've heard some people thinking of uh, creating crypto indexes, derivatives, uh, people bringing new assets, possibly real world assets such as carbon credit, and trying to create this new market which might exist in buckets or in silos here and there and kind of leveraging the global reach 
uh, as well as uh, uh, the potential global liquidity of DeFi to kind of make these markets uh, get a, a brief of fresh air and, and expand to uh, to uh, to new levels. Mm, understood. Can you walk us through how uh, sort of the new DYDX enhances the trading experience? Is there is there something um, like capital, more capital efficiency, better liquidity, more types of um, order types? What like from a trading experience perspective? Um, versus a software perspective what does it does it does it change anything so the the new dydx essentially brings uh, an upgrade of the overall software so it prepares for the latest uh, additional options within dydx as an exchange but also increases the throughput so the order book uh, on dydx is essentially now decentralized is technically not on chain that would bring some latency through the block time even though the block time is only around one second on the DYDX chain, but the, the, the order book is decentralized and essentially hosted on, within the validators. Uh, so it keeps the velocity and the similar experience to a centralized exchange, but it also gives to traders the opportunity to really look at the order book and understanding other traders. Uh, so I had conversations, for example, with, uh, with hedge funds and high frequency traders where sometimes they will go trade on, on centralized platforms. And it's essentially, it's a, it's a kind of a black box. You will only react and build your strategies based on, on the market pricing and some different patterns you're able to design yourself. When you move to DeFi, you can essentially look and, and identifying some winning strategies or winning users without knowing exactly who they are and trying to understand how they built and, and possibly reverse engineer uh, some of these uh, some of those strategies. So this is something which is a, a unique proposition in the in DeFi and and definitely available within the the new DYDX chain. Understanding your market, understanding the participants, and also trading on, in in a venue where there is additional throughput and the experience is de- is definitely there and close to centralized exchanges. There is rewards which you will get also immediately after you trade. So the new, the, the, the community of DYDX has decided to support the launch of the new chain to, uh, to deploy a, a 20 million uh, rewards program for traders, which are essentially distributed every time people trade, uh, within a few seconds after you trade. So it's also highly optimal in terms of, uh, of capital efficiency. Um, and you get the leverage, you get the choice of, uh, of trading pairs. And also a say in the design of the product, which is which is not exactly what uh, what you get access to when you, when you trade on the on the largest venue. So this transparency, this efficiency, uh, makes uh, makes a big difference. Um, and we've seen over the past uh, the past months, people kind of um, reviewing a little bit their their trading venue strategies. Obviously, the collapse of FTX and some others have been. A kind of a wake up call for people saying, okay, how do I, how do I plan if there is such, uh, such events and how do I, uh, manage my, uh, my risk, uh, and, and how do I essentially start to develop a little bit the futures, uh, the, the future of the, of my trading venues and where I will be essentially expressing my opinion on markets and centralized venues are not the, the only venues. And we see some of them being in conversations with regulators, some of them collapsing or some of them being as not as transparent. So bringing question marks. Uh, so when you're, when you're a big player, when you're institutional, you really want to keep exploring and essentially, uh, aging your, uh, your risk by, uh, going 
uh, growing your uh, your practice and experience uh, on on additional venues. So that that really helps essentially DeFi to to kind of capture um, this kind of wake up call with market events. But there is also probably what will be feeding uh, the growth of of DeFi and derivative in the in the future is the kind of legal landscape in uh, in our industry. Uh, more and more regulations are coming. More and more centralized exchanges are uh, invited to get licenses. For the most part, they will get uh, spot licenses, and they will need whenever they, they, they put into into action those licenses, they will need to stop their futures uh, uh, their futures business essentially with with customers from this uh, the, the jurisdiction they get the license from. So we will see more licenses, and essentially licenses will be spot for the most part, and the futures market will essentially need to kind of expand to new venues, and that's where probably. Uh, all DeFi players in derivative and 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 DYDX, a strong candidate here, will benefit from this kind of market shift and, and expansion to uh, to to new infrastructure. There was definitely a wake up call post FTX, and this was certainly the narrative, right? That uh, the decentralized finance world offers more transparency, um, maybe not as much liquidity, but remedies or ameliorates a lot of the issues that underpin the collapse of FTX, BlockFi, Genesis, etc. And you saw a pop in in DeFi trading relative to centralized trading around. Um, Let's call. I'm looking at the chart, May 2023, with the Dex to Sex spot trade volume ratio hitting 21.28 percent. But that slid um, precipitously since then. We're right around um, as of last month, 14 percent, um, which is around where it was before that pop in May. What do you think's keeping traders from going full hog DeFi? I think it's a new infrastructure. You need to really rethink quite a few things. As you mentioned, the liquidity is not exactly there. The migration to DeFi will not happen overnight. I think we're looking at a, a timeline to three, five, maybe uh, maybe uh, more than five years to really get everyone uh, more more familiar and, and kind of get their infrastructure uh, ready for uh, for trading uh, on purely on DeFi. It's not the same thing when when you trade on, on centralized exchanges. Uh, essentially, you get uh, you send your tokens over there and and you trade. You lose custody of it, but you you trade into into one place. You sign contracts with a counterparty. Will this contract be uh, be be uh, be respected? That's that's another story, and that's something you need to consider. DeFi is kind of a very very much a new a new space. Uh, it's definitely growing. Uh, we've seen the the growth of DeFi in the spot market. We discussed this a little bit earlier with Uniswap market shares today. Uh, there is no reason for for the derivative to not follow the same the same kind of trajectory. So uh, custodians are getting uh, kind of equipped and and more and more ready to uh, essentially assist their uh, their customers into trading DeFi and not only transferring assets from one one venue to to another, as well as the market dynamics overall. I think with Higher velocity of innovation in DeFi, infrastructure evolution, uh, regulations which will kind of probably narrow down the number of trading venues for futures. Uh, DeFi is uh, is set uh, for derivative to be uh, to be definitely a much bigger player than it is today. We we see that for also for for example with uh, the stablecoin markets. Um, uh, today, DYDX is the fifth largest holder of USDCs globally. 
and and we've seen uh, we've seen USDCs expanding to different chains. So there is a mix for for all this this kind of derivative market to expand into new venues to get the right infrastructure, the right collaterals as well, and all of this is kind of falling into place step by step. So these are very very strong signals that. Uh, the the journey has definitely started. The numbers are showing that there is a market fit and a, and a, and a demand for that. And, uh, and and future is bright for derivative on DeFi. That kind of dovetails into what I was going to ask in terms of that future. Um, to what extent or rather walk us through your thesis on how the regulatory um, headwinds the industry faces is actually uh, a tailwind for decentralized derivatives it's it's not it's not easy there is different conversations in different jurisdictions uh, obviously all the eyes are on the u.s market but derivative is a, is a global market so there is some places where there is much more clarity some others where it's still ongoing uh, from many uh, kind of lobbying efforts being done by some users of dydx or some 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 other bodies we definitely see that there is a, an overlap between what the regulators wants to achieve uh, in terms of uh, of, uh, of compliance of their of their marketplaces and and what DeFi uh, intrinsically uh, delivers. So uh, regulators want fair markets, they want transparent markets, and all of this is by design available within uh, within DeFi. So I think it takes it takes uh, it takes some time to uh, to kind of. Uh, Make the regulators understanding what's, what DeFi brings to the table, how it can be aligned with their, their own objective. One of the responsibilities we have, I think, as industry practitioners is not only to claim DeFi is better, but also demonstrate. And this is something which has been started by many, uh, for on many fronts. Should people be working on wallet infrastructures as an industry, uh, we can see a lot of people being organized. So I'd like to insist on that. It's not about claiming, but really demonstrating and, and showing that fairer markets are deliverable with DeFi, transparency is deliverable with DeFi, and, uh, and helping essentially regulators to capture that this is uh, a great infrastructure. Overall, we are making progress. The digital asset uh, kind of uh, category was not really existent 10 years ago. Uh, we are talking uh, in the past weeks uh, about uh, ETF coming. So all of this is getting through the very complex pipes of, uh, of regulators all over the world. What we see is different regions progressing at different paces. Um, but as mentioned earlier, I think with regulations also, it will it will also kind of um, push some market practitioners to DeFi and make them explore and, and make DeFi improve also uh, to, to fit with, uh, with, with regulators. Mm. It's interesting. So you mentioned earlier in the conversation talking um, with larger market participants and hedge funds about DeFi. Um, to what extent, um, how, how far are more established um, players from the world of Wall Street uh, interested or keen to dabble uh, in in DeFi um, and is the biggest impediment again liquidity so liquidity is definitely at the at the earth or is it regulatory liquidity and regulatory so what we've seen is probably some uh, North American players uh, having taking a pause on their crypto activities. Uh, over the past years and some other parts of the world kind of doubling down and, and taking the space mm -hmm. uh, left behind by some some other North American players 
having yeah. more, more tension or more uh, more frictions with uh, with their own regulators and kind of reviewing their strategy. I'm personally optimistic they will come back, but overall it has gave give some gave some space for for others to kind of grow and and, and growing strong. There is a, a large population of market makers and, and crypto native traders which are very very familiar with with the asset overall. But there is also new entrants which will usually stay within the the kind of uh, mainstream trading pairs, Bitcoin, Ethereum being uh, being probably 80% of the of the volume on most derivative market, and seeing that this uh, this asset is recognized as a futures ETF, probably recognized soon as a as a spot ETF, and there is like other venues to kind of of uh, of age or or built more complex strategies between spot between CFI and between DeFi, so they they're definitely coming. Um, liquidity is uh, is there for the most part. If you look at the long tail, you might not have always the liquidity uh, one would expect. But if you if you're a new entrant uh, in the space or kind of expanding to DeFi, you will probably focus on on on, on BTC and ETH, and, and liquidity is definitely there. Uh, and market makers are supportive. Uh, market makers mm. are uh, are kind of um, uh, migrating and going to serve the market which needs liquidity. So, should some institutions start in CFI, uh, the the crypto journey, and eventually start to move uh, progressively their volumes to DeFi, there is a kind of a natural uh, rebalance of of market makers uh, providing the providing the volumes needed where where it's required. Coming back to the regulations and kind of the, the compliance habits of uh, of institutions, it's easier to sell internally if you're uh, if you're a crypto uh, a crypto fund to your compliance department. I have an NDA. I'm signing some kind of contract with some kind of entity somewhere. Uh, it's kind of going faster than saying, okay, we're gonna use uh, a public good uh, protocol, which is a public chain. Uh, we will connect with our wallet and 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 and, and go and trade. Even though those public chains are actually very kind of healthy, there is obviously AML, there is all kind of uh, analysis of the market, making sure the market is uh, is healthy, MEV is under uh, under monitoring, uh, but not necessarily always um, a KYC the uh, the traditional way. So it takes time for these venues to come, but there is also some. Um, some kind of um, new solutions designed by uh, by custodians, for example, where custodians allow people to start trading uh, in DeFi in a, in a in a kind of a more institutional way, uh, some kind of uh, middle office or, or, or midway middleware helping people to distribute their large orders or their their derivative contracts between CFI and DeFi. So all of this is evolving in the in the right directions, and I think the numbers of and the growth of, of DeFi in general, and specifically on, on, on crypto derivative, is just showing that uh, uh, people are getting more comfortable and the volumes are, are definitely growing on a, on a weekly basis. Shifting back, I guess, to DYDX uh, more specifically, are there any upcoming milestones or developments that you are particularly excited about? I'm very excited about uh, essentially the permissionless market coming up next year. Um, this is this is exactly what we've seen in terms of innovation from from Uniswap, and I'm I'm very excited to see how the market will express itself and what kind of markets that we want to trade. Uh, more more shit coins will come probably. Uh, that's that's a given. People want to trade more assets, and they will have this opportunity to trade much more 
much more assets within a risk and liquidity uh, framework, which is defined by the the, the, uh, the DAOs of the DYDX ecosystem, but also possibly uh, some new assets such as indexes, indexes which are hard to build or crypto native and or hard to build in the traditional world, uh, carbon credits, uh, and why not starting to leverage some kind of new innovative products where uh, risk could be aged in a, in a kind of automated way, um, allowing more, more access to, for example, a derivative market for insurance market, uh, being able to create, why not, a, a derivative a contract on, on weather forecast and, and maybe a new birth of the permissionless, uh, sorry, of the prediction market. Prediction market have been coming in our space up and down. That was always something um, of interest, mm-hmm. but never really took off. And, and maybe this prediction market represents a long tail of, um, of perpetuals uh, derivative where you could have uh, some kind of betting contract on maybe presidential elections or, or soccer games or you name it. And, and that's maybe a, a, a time for prediction market to, to pop up and essentially bring uh, a new herd of, uh, of new users to, to the derivative market where where they will not come for expressing a, a long view on a specific asset, but more thinking on how they express an opinion on a potential outcome of a real-world event and, and how UX and UI could be redesigned and rethink, moving away from the, the, the green and red candles and thinking of a, a better user, uh, user interface and, and, and more inviting for, for a larger audience. Well said. That's the beauty of building decentralized finance is all this infrastructure is open source. Sometimes you give away the receipt and, and see you, what, you see, see a little what bit what the, what the chef will be, will be building. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you so, so much for joining the program. Where can people learn more and follow you and, and uh, follow along what's happening at DYDX Foundation? Absolutely. So follow us on the DYDX Foundation Twitter account at DYDX Foundation. Uh, this is the best way for you to start your, your journey within the, the DYDX chain, starting to consider staking or using, uh, using the protocol. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. And The Scoop will be back with you again with another great guest. Have an awesome day. Opinions expressed by hosts and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and not necessarily those of the blocks. Podcast guests may have taken positions in the assets or other matters discussed in this podcast. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. For full terms, visit theblockcrypto.com slash terms dash service.